Welcome back, everybody, to the Ultimate Training Podcast. I am your host, J-Dub, and this week we are going to be going over uh, resistance training and whether you should or shouldn't train to failure, specifically when training for Ultimate Frisbee, as all of our other podcasts are the same way. Uh, so as you'll find out later on, there are reasons to train to failure if you're not training specifically for Ultimate Frisbee but we'll get into that later. So the study that we're gonna be going over is the effects of resistance training performed to repetition failure or non-failure on muscular strength and hypertrophy, a systematic review. So we have another systematic review meta-analysis. As you've seen in previous episodes, I like going over these because it's a bunch of studies lumped together and then you get much bigger sample sizes by doing that. you will occasionally get some outlier studies, and there are a couple in here that I will talk about later on in this podcast. But to start things off, I am going to go over the inclusion criteria for this uh, meta-analysis. So they don't just take like any study out there, but they like only to these studies that have certain criteria that are met. So these are, they had to have randomized participants, could be of any age, they didn't have any age restrictions on here. They had to be looking at comparing resistance training versus resistance training for strength, as well as hypertrophy, comparing the two. Uh, They assess whether you gain strength or hypertrophy, obviously, if that's what they're, you know, looking to measure or looking to find, that's what they're going to measure as well. And... They had to have a training protocol lasting at least six weeks, which also makes sense because you're not going to find very much or at least very hard to measure any hypertrophy gained in under six weeks. And then they also had to have healthy participants. So it wasn't participants coming off of an injury because that could also skew results because you could see hypertrophy faster in the now recovered limb if that was the case. So that was the inclusion criteria into this study. Uh, They ended up getting 15 studies that matched their criteria. And of those 15, they lasted between six and 16 weeks and had 219 participants. Of those participants, 265 were male and 129 were female. The median length of training duration was eight weeks and the frequency ranged from two to three days per week and most of them had assessed for one rep maxes and others did between six and ten rep maxes as well a couple quick notes from my side is first off training two to three days is kind of on the lower side for most like strength and hypertrophy programs, especially on the two days, it's gonna get pretty tricky to design a good uh, workout program that is gonna see measurable hypertrophy gains in six weeks by only working out two days a week, unless these are like really long workouts, which for research studies, that's usually not the case. So that's one limitation on these studies that I'm already picking up and seeing that is similar to strength gains 
but since strength gains are more neurological, uh, you can still see pretty good strength changes in that amount of time and with that amount of days per week, as long as you're doing like pretty strenuous lifts and it's kind of depending on like how many reps they're doing on each study, which we'll kind of get into next. So most of the studies did do a pretty good job of keeping the repetitions low for the strength training. So you wanna do lower reps, higher weights for strength specific training. While they did a good job of like getting mid to upper range for the hypertrophy group, which is another like, usually what you wanna train for for hypertrophy is somewhere between, I mean, you can go as low as five to as high as some people will say 20. I would say that's a little higher than I would have people do for hypertrophy, but it can be done at that rep range. Uh, one of them was just trying to fail as close to or at 25 and as few uh, rounds as possible. And that one kind of stood out to me. And of these, all of them matched for volume except for two studies. So matching for volume means that they're doing the same number of total repetitions between the failure and non-failure group in these studies. So if the failure group did three sets to failure and it equaled, let's just say 30 reps, then the non-failure group would do three by 10 or whatever amount of rounds that they wanted to do. And they just make sure that it's not to failure. So if you did your three by 10, you would do three by 10, but you'd be able to do, let's say 12 reps. So it's still a challenging weight, but it's not getting you to your failing point. Now that we've kind of gone over like what the studies did, let's get into what they found. So overall with all the studies combined into one, they found that there's no statistical significance between failure training and non-failure training on either strength or hypertrophy. So you'll get the same or basically the same outcome uh, whether you go to failure or not. There is the caveat of two studies in this analysis that each found the opposite effect. So one found that when volume wasn't matched, that strength gains were greater in non-failure situations. So if you're going to failure, you're going to see less strength gain than if you're not going to failure. That study, I don't fully agree with the results just because they didn't equate for volume and volume is the main driver between hypertrophy. So in that one, they did just one set till failure. And I think they got somewhere between 12 and 15 reps on that one set. And then the other group did a three by 10, making sure that it wasn't till failure. So they got somewhere between like two and a half to like, two times the amount of volume as the failure group, which I'm surprised that they didn't see a difference in hypertrophy on that, but maybe there just wasn't enough volume in general to like get the hypertrophy effect. And that's why they only saw like a better strength gain out of that group. So uh, it's kind of hard to take that one into account 
and say that non-failure training is better than failure training on gaining strength. I would say that they're pretty equal in that regard. Uh, the other study found that failure training was slightly better for hypertrophy, but that was only one study out of 15. So once you weighed in the rest of the studies, the significance evens out and it overall not a big enough effect to drag the rest of the studies up. So it's hard to confidently say that hypertrophy is significantly better in training to failure when there's only one study out of this that uh, shows that. So now with the results out, what does this mean to you as an ultimate player? Uh, I don't think I'm going to break this one down into different categories like I have in other episodes. So I'm going to not compare club, pro, and uh, league because honestly the training should be very similar to all of them when it comes to like gym training and resistance training cardio wise you could make an argument that training should be different especially for a club compared to league and semi-pro just because of how much uh, tournaments impact your body and cardiovascular system but that's a later episode there as far as resistance training goes they should be pretty similar assuming you have the same goal of being the best you can be at ultimate so i after reading the study, I do not recommend that ultimate players train to failure. First, there seems to be little to no benefit at all of doing so. Like, of all the studies, the only one that showed a benefit was for hypertrophy, which for most ultimate players isn't really beneficial. Like, gaining muscle mass is important if you're an underweight player that can use a little bit extra muscle to then increase your strength gain off of that. But for the majority of players, it's going to be far more beneficial to not train to failure, still get very similar hypertrophy gains, and save a little bit of your body, both joints and overall fatigue, by not training to failure. And that's kind of what I want to hit on next is... Since there is little to no difference and the only difference that they found at all was towards hypertrophy, it doesn't make sense for ultimate players to do that because it's just going to fatigue you for either practice your next session or whatever else you're doing. So training to failure is much harder on your body and it takes you longer to recover from and therefore you'd have to space out your training throughout the week with bigger gaps for rest in between. At that point, it makes more sense to me to not train to failure, and then you can increase the frequency that you train, whether that be increasing your skills work, adding in more resistance training. It just allows for more overall options for you to improve ultimate Frisbee-related skills. So if you're not training to failure, like how do you know when to stop? That's probably going to be your next logical question. And on that, you want to focus on RPE or RIR, which are very similar concepts and sometimes used interchangeably. So 
RPE is rating of perceived exertion, and that is basically how hard that specific lift was. So if you did 10 reps of squats, at the end, you'd kind of self-reflect being like, how hard was that? How much more effort could I put into that? If your answer is that was it, that was a 10 out of 10, I don't think I could have gotten another one, then that was failure training. You wanna usually shoot four for strength gains, somewhere in the seven to nine range with occasionally if you're doing one rep maxes then it would be a 10 but that's a little different than training to like repetition failure because you're not doing multiple reps in a row and it's just testing for max strength uh for the rir is reps in reserve so as you get better at lifting you will understand how many reps you could have gotten in addition to what you stopped at. So that same example, you're going through your repetitions, you get to eight and you realize by how your body's feeling, how fast the bar is moving, that you probably only have a couple of reps left in you. So like two, maybe three, that's usually a pretty good spot to stop for higher rep training. So the RIR is going to change depending on how many reps you're doing. If you're doing somewhere between the three to seven, maybe eight-ish range, then you're gonna to wanna to have a lower uh, reps in reserve. Uh, for example, if you're only going to five and you stop at three, knowing you had two left, that's gonna leave a lot of volume on the table volume being uh, reps combined with weights and sets. So combine all three of those and that's what is traditionally known as volume. So those two really heavy reps is gonna leave a lot of volume as opposed to the other side of the sliding scale. If you're doing a three by 12 and you stop at 10 instead of going to 12, this is a much lower weight. So missing those two reps takes less from your overall volume of training. And that's why for RIR, you wanna get closer to that zero RIR, but not quite hitting that, because then you're doing failure training, and as we discussed, that takes longer to recover from and doesn't give you any extra benefit. So you might as well leave that one rep in reserve. And then on the higher ones, it has a little more wiggle room. There's still, a little bit of debate on that one, whether on higher reps, how close you need to get to that failure point. If you're going up to like 16 to 20, there are some that show you can have as much as like five or six reps in reserve. So that one, it becomes more flexible with the lower percentage that you're leaving in the tank on that. So that's kind of what you want to use instead of like just absolute failure to judge your workouts. Uh, so one little caveat to that, uh, the RIR evaluation is a lot more accurate if you've actually gone to failure. So there might be times that you'll want to go to actual failure so you know what it feels like and that way you can have a more accurate interpretation of your RIR. I really only recommend this with like 
either dumbbell exercises and less compound movements as well. So compound lifts like deadlift, bench press, squats. Of those three, I only really recommend one going to failure and that's gonna be bench press. And that's if you have safeties up and or a spotter. Uh, squats and deadlifts, I really don't ever recommend my clients going to failure on those just because of how much risk that puts into you. It doesn't really make a lot of sense to that. So that one you just learn from training over time how close you are to that failure. And sometimes you'll fail, not because you're trying to, just because you had an off day and like the day before you could hit that. And at that point you can just bail the lift and be fine and then also get a better understanding of your failure limits. So kind of leaving off with closing thoughts, uh, I would love to see more research where they kind of use the RIR system and see basically how far from failure you can be and still get the same significant level of gains. So it'd be nicer to have a like more accurate number in that. And also these studies, most of them were done, if not all of them, with young to maybe like some participants were middle age, but mostly mainly young adults, which is a high population to ultimate frisbee. But it would be nice to see like how it also adapts to like masters grandmasters age players in there as well so there's a few things that i will be looking out for when future studies come out uh, kind of to recap everything else is training to failure not training to failure if volume is equal you're going to see very similar results and because of that there's really little reason to train to failure save yourself those few extra reps, use your RPE, RIR scale when training, and then use that extra energy to work on skills and other ultimate specific work. Uh, thanks for listening. And let me know if there's anything that you want me to go over in the next podcast. Catch you later.